Hi, welcome to the New Rules Podcast. I am your host, Ruth Cooper-Dixon, and I'm a positive psychology practitioner. New Rules is about how leaders, entrepreneurs, and businesses must change, break, and rewrite the rules to innovate in our ever-changing and complex world. Each episode, I'll be joined by a guest who is a leader and respected expert in their own industry to talk about their experiences through the lens of a positive psychology theme. I am fascinated as to how these topics are interwoven in the fabric of their journey. And of course, I get them to dig deep and share with you the good, the bad and the ugly. Hi, welcome back to New Rules. I'm here with Meg Zenatwamithi and Meg is a revolutionary young leader. Hi, Meg. Do you like that 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 title just sums you up. But let me let me go on to explain a little bit more about you. Inspired by your own difficult experience, you created a youth-led mental health research and development company to support those suffering with mental health issues. And over the year, your work has seen you recognised as an award-winning mental health campaigner and consultant. You have a huge commitment to changing the world for the better and a senior champion anti-bullying in schools, inclusivity and diversity on university campuses and employment, evolution of school curriculums and mental health services in public policy, as well as championing young people's voices in politics. And not only that, I mean, that is if, if, not, if that is not enough... You uh, launched a discussion series called Strip Back with a live audience, which I was very honoured to be the first <laughs> one. <laughs> yeah, I was there, uh, which is about to run a UK tour. And you're also working on your first book. It's uh, currently taking a year out from studying for a BA in philosophy, politics and economics at King's College London in order to scale your company and build on your work as a leading freelance strategy and innovation consultant. Okay, Mick, can you just tell people how old you are? <laughs> I knew this was coming. I'm 22. I mean, seriously, <laughs> I, I think you could get to like 75 and be uber proud of that bio. But at 20, 22, you are just badass. Ruth, you're making me shy. <laughs> <laughs> I just love it, though, because every time I talk to a guest and I read back their bio, they're like, it's always like this. People are just like, um, yeah. Uh, I, you know, it's something we're not used to really hearing, I guess. But of course, this is why I wanted you on New Rules, because you are phenomenal in what you do as an entrepreneur, as a leader, as not only a champion of social causes and, you know, does come from a place of personal um, you know, meaning and purpose that drives you. So thank you for taking time out of your uber busy schedule for me. I honestly appreciate it. We are going to be talking a little bit about as our topic of positive psychology is creativity and flow and what that actually means as an entrepreneur, what that means as a leader and how it really gets our juices going in the sense of innovation and looking at those new rules. So talk to me a little bit about flow for you because you do so many things like what 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 gets Meg into flow? Oh, that's a whoa, that's a really good question. We're going deep. We're going deep already. Yeah. Firstly, thank you for having me. Let's get into it then. I think this is something that I'm continuously learning, but I would say the thing that gets me into flow is aligning myself with I guess opportunities, jobs and like initiatives that really make me buzz. I think as someone who's obviously studies like economics, 
something I've learned from economics is just about like specialization and how you should think about yourself as a market, right? What are you going to specialize in? And I know for me personally, especially as a young person, like what are the things that make me excited, that make me feel passionate, that make me feel like I have value and purpose in this world? And I would say that my market is definitely young people, mental health and education. So if you ever want to get my flow going, if you mention (laughs) any of those three kind of industries, that's me gone. And I really love that. And I think the only reason I got even to that place was by asking like these two main questions. So one of my best friend's dad, before he passed away, he used to ask us, what are you willing to stand alone for? And this hit me like a ton of bricks. I was like, whoa, <laughs> would you mean what we're willing to stand alone for? He said, like, if there was no one else that valued X, Y and Z that you believe in, what would you be willing to go to the ends of the earth by yourself for to prove that is right or wrong? And again, it's those three main things like education, making sure that everyone has opportunities that allow them to unlock their best potential. Mental health, how can we talk about people being great and successful without thinking about taking care of their mind? And most importantly, young people. Mm. How can we talk about young people being the future generation if we don't invest in them now? So as you guys can tell already, like these are the things that definitely make me feel on fire. Like I feel like this is where I'm supposed to be, mm. right? Yeah. And it's really, it's really interesting to hear you talk like that because when you look at your bio, and of course there is, you do so much stuff, and you've got so many things that you're doing. But when I was talking to uh, Simon Boyle, who is a, not only award-winning chef, social entrepreneur, in another episode, like Simon's just saying when when you're in that flow state, when or when you're putting that stuff out there, like you're taking on all, you see all these opportunities because it it's like your passion right it's what gets your juices going but also when you're giving back and you are fundamentally those causes are even though somebody who studied economics you know it's not it's not just the the money and I think that's listening to every single person who's been on an episode of new rules has said it's it's bigger than that it's 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 more than that and I think so when we talk about flow we look at it from a position of not what's the financial reward it's not about fame it's not about power it's actually about the intrinsic motivation so so that that, I love that you know that question that your friend's dad uh, posed to you because ultimately with flow flow isn't good or bad but it's about I'm going to do this anyway and I'm doing it because you know even regardless of the outcome like I want to get into that and that's what I believe in and that's what I can lose myself in absolutely and And I guess to just add to that as well it's kind of what you said about not that they're not being kind of like a financial reward like any entrepreneurs out there will know that at first there is no financial (laughs) reward (laughs) before that kicks in yeah it's lonely it's really the ghetto. Let's not lie. It's, you're pretty much... You're, 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 it, do you know what it reminds me of? I think about this now, particularly in the season that I'm in, um, The Pursuit of Happiness, right? Yeah. Where Will Smith is literally carrying that monitor and he's going around. And, you know, things get deep. That's kind of how you feel like as an entrepreneur. Mm. You're carrying this little baby. You're going to whoever, wherever you possibly can to just get one person to buy into it. But I think the thing that matters the most is, like, what is that why? And I guess another question I'd probably ask, and I think I've asked you before, is what breaks your heart? I was asked this by an amazing woman called Scylla, and she's an author of like the peace treaty. So she works with large governments and mm. basically is all about being passive, like pacifist. Like she doesn't believe in violence. She believes that actually world leaders should focus more on 
creating peace treaties and wars. Mm. And she said, like, what breaks your heart? And I thought, oh, my goodness, that's so true. That's another thing that can ignite your flow. Yeah. Because actually you realise that there are so many things in the world, good and bad, but there's so many issues that could be really closely related to yourself. Mm. And I think being an activist and making change doesn't mean that you need to be a celebrity or have huge monetary resources. Like you don't need a huge amount of capital, but just that understanding that doing something very, very small at home can create change. I think that's what makes my job and the companies that I run so rewarding because actually it's that understanding that if you have a company that is leading by purpose, profit will come as a result of it. Yeah. Right? And I think building purpose and building value and helping others is just one of the best things to do because by doing it, you're opening doors for other people and then it becomes pretty much like a catalyst. Everyone else ends up going. And I think the question has to be like, be the change that you want to see in the world. And yeah. I knew, I said, oh my goodness, no one's going to solve this. No one's going to, no one's caring <laughs> about young people. Everyone says they want them there. And I said, you've got to do it. So I would definitely say like, that's another thing that allows me to kind of unlock that flow. So when you're in flow and clearly you have loads of passion projects, work that you're doing, like what is the trade-off with that and mental health? <laughs> 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 let's just let's just go there as entrepreneurs like what's oh, the trade-off oh god it's it's tough out here um <laughs> that's such a good question because i think i don't know we have these conversations and i think the trade-off is understanding that rome isn't built in a day i think as really great friends ruth and i constantly remind ourselves that there is to always a tomorrow right yeah. we are people who are strong on the complete or finisher we want to get things done we push through we believe we are superwomen not that we're not but there comes a time where actually your body is telling you yeah. look you need to take some break yeah. you need to take a rest and I think the trade-off for me was the understanding that you know what it doesn't need to be instant like this gratification this success like all these all everything that you're experiencing right now is part of the process mm. and by speeding the process up you're even stressing yourself out even more but also that everything comes in good timing. I know that sounds really like, oh, flow, no, no, yeah. no. But like everything really does come in good timing. And I think what I've really learned that's helped my mental health is just this idea that you're constantly learning in a company. Mm. There's no, it sounds bleak, but there's no end, right? You're constantly going to be learning. There's always new things to improve. Your clients, customers, users are always going to be needing something else. They're, yeah, It's just a rapid learning process and there's no such thing as failure. That's something I've learned. And actually something that I live by now is to be more scientist. So have you ever heard scientists, especially from both of us coming from, I guess, sciencey, social science Sci background? Scientist, the the platform. No, as in become more scientist, like no. an actual scientist. Mm, yeah, I mean, I think I've started to embrace definitely when people ask me about what I do. I mean, clearly as a positive psychology practitioner, but then I also say oh, I'm a trauma researcher. So I think of myself actually as a researcher. I see myself mm. as that kind of deeper delve of, I mean, this is why I wanted to do new rules because it was about... I really want to understand like how positive psychology themes really influence business leaders, entrepreneurs, social entrepreneurs. 
especially people that were doing it well before COVID and the world we've seen shift and change this year in 2020, because I know, you know, you and I have known each other for some time now. You were clearly, as a young person as well, a, a way ahead in terms of that trajectory, as has every other guest um, on, on the podcast has been the same. But I also think they're the people as well that are really shifted and shaped and changed during this year as well. And, and that mm. idea of their stories for me it's like okay I want to research I want to get to that nitty gritty you know I always like to get to the the deep the core I don't think that okay then I don't think you're a researcher I think you're a discoverer oh right yeah um, okay I like I really like that um because at first the reason I came from the scientist point of view is because scientists never say they failed right even if there is no like you know when you're doing an experiment even if there's no reaction that's that's that's, that's, that's right that's success because it's like okay we learn we go again and I think if entrepreneurs and I think just people in general we think about that more like there's no there's we're really constantly trying to find out new things we're just constantly trying to learn you actually get so much at ease because it pushes you to go forward so now I don't embrace success let me not lie it still gets me but I kind of get quite excited because I'm just like okay cool now I know what doesn't work let's keep moving forward to find out yeah. what does and I think when you say discoverer and the reason I'm ah. going to say that for you is because actually something that you're saying right now about everyone's story on new rules is you wanted to find out how like the yeah. the behind the scenes like how are you doing this why are you doing this what is the good and the bad and the ugly and I wouldn't say that's research I would say discover because you're really trying to unlock the bits that people don't really see so then you could show, I guess, the human aspect, right? I'm going to take that. Trauma discoverer. <laughs> Trauma discoverer. I'm going to... That's my That's my thing. Guys, you heard it here first. Yeah, you heard Meg, it first. You heard it here first. Meg has really given me a new new tagline <laughs> and I'm just going to embrace that. Um, so that, that kind of then links into the theme about creativity, right? Because so, again, people not thinking... Oh, I'm you know I'm not a scientist, but actually, when you are discovering or when you're looking out for you know even if things fail or don't work, that's still a it's still an outcome, yeah. So mm-hmm. if nothing changes, okay, that's still an outcome because there's there's something there that's telling you something. So also then playing into that piece about creativity. So if I guess there's a lot around creativity and failure, if you want to oh. call it failure, going yeah. in hand in hand, right? Because you have to you have to be creative to get to those um, solutions. Has somebody who's, especially with, you know, my my, my mind matters too. Tongue that, twister. Yeah, no, right? yeah. I, just, I just had to look down and thinking, is that, I have, I've said that so many times and I was just like, my mind matters too. Guys, can you see? She's a strong advert for the company but doesn't know the name. I do oh, know the name. No, I do know the name. So um, when you've run teams there and, and elsewhere where you've been involved in projects, um, how do you, how do you create that culture of creativity? How do you... Oh, I love this. I love this question because I'm someone who's going to be completely transparent and honest. And yeah, I failed a lot as a leader. I won't lie. I think a lot of us, there's two points. Like a lot of us who are founders shouldn't always be CEO. That's something I'm learning or shouldn't always be the director. Like it's about finding your place. But also that teams are bloody hard work. They really are. I failed at a lot of teams. Like I've built teams at part of the company and had to dissolve them because I just, it wasn't working. And this lockdown, I really thought, cool, I want to build a killer team. And what changed for me, what made the drop is we really built company values that we believed in, not these flushy, fancy words of collaboration and innovation because they sound nice. It was really, I asked myself and my senior team, 
how do you want to feel every day when you go in to work, right? And from that, we started to build emotions, things that you can really feel as a human being. Because at the end of the day, we are human beings, not doings. Like, who is Ruth? Who's Meg? Mm. All jokes aside, like, what makes you feel you? And from there, building those kind of values based on those feelings of how do you really want to feel? We started to recruit people based on that. And I started to build systems in place which actually valued individuals. I would always say it, the more you invest in others' personal development, the more they feel so obliged to do and feel more willing to do work for you. So much so that we had a bit of interruption because we had a brand new product launch at the company that I couldn't do my normal weekly brainstorms. So I call our meetings brainstorms instead of meetings completely changes your psychology around what that meeting should be about. Sounds more fun creative brainstorm you feel like you're part of a team and that's been amazing because everyone's like oh my goodness I can't wait for it but when we had to cancel it everyone said I I really still need I need your brainstorm Meg I really want a brainstorm and the only time I could do it was Friday morning and I mean between five and seven and every single (laughs) member of my team so we've got a team of 13 every single member of my team woke up for 5.45 to be on that call wow and I said, oh, my goodness. I looked at my co-founder and I said, how did we do? I said, what are we feeding them? Have they missed something? Like, <laughs> How are these people waking up at crazy times just to be part of this team? Yeah. And that's been the most rewarding thing because I've realised you can never go wrong with investing in people. And I don't mean just, oh, the weekly. No, we literally set aside one-to-ones at the end of every month where if you're part of my team, I just want to find out about you. Like, what? Apart from work, what else are you working on personally in your life Mm. that by the end of the year you want to be able to achieve? And how can I, as someone who you trust and creates a safe space, how can I allow you to reach those goals inside and outside of work? And people love it because I can see them pushing themselves and building these habits. And again, it's like a yes, yes, yes. It's a positive, literally positive psychology. They associate work with this place of growth, this place of fun, and this place where you get to be heard and seen. Yeah. And it's just been game changing. Like, I love my team. And I hope when they listen to this, they're like, yep, we love you too. (laughs) But I love them to bits. And that's really changed my my outlook on teams. And when you've got people around you who are like that, I think, you know, they're, they're feeding off you, right? They're feeding off your energy. They're feeding off your positivity, your ethos, your values. And when they're also bought into that, um, it makes it so much easier because you're not telling them that's how they should feel. You're saying, how do you want to come to work? How do you want to show up? How do you want to leave at the end of the day as well? Exactly. Like, do you want to leave feeling exhausted and not happy? Do you want to leave feeling exhausted sometimes and really proud? Do you want to feel, I can't wait to get back in again tomorrow? Like, you know, all these different, what do you want to get from it? Well, like, this isn't, and I think the more organisations start to embrace those principles, it just shifts the dynamic. And I love I love the idea of brainstorm. And in fact, I'm going to make a little note of that. Whoa, because whoa, I'm going... whoa, whoa. Everyone, again, this is... This, don't worry. I'm definitely going to be writing a leadership book because... Um, you need to. I mean, oh, if, there's God, somebody, so if, if there's somebody I think should write one, it is you because... <laughs> I mean, why not add it to the repertoire, right? So the next, <laughs> why not the next season of New Rules? I'd be like, so we're joined by author, amongst other, you know, lengthy achievements. But yes, I think try I, it though. I 100. Yeah. I give you that. Try it because yeah, I would definitely say the wording around 
some I think we've both come from corporate backgrounds as yeah. well. You can just feel so drained. It does it feels like such a task sometimes to be involved in these things. And I think a lot of companies do things for you know, like the team drinks on a Thursday night. Like you yeah. feel like you have to be there. It doesn't feel fun, right? You're just there yeah, like, oh I have to sit with my MD yeah. now, like kiki key i'm waiting until it's like 30 minutes so then i can say yeah guys i'm gonna leave for tonight i've got to get back home to the fam like you have to wait for the right time to leave but i think with the brainstorms like everyone just it takes your mind off it because you're just like okay cool i feel like i my voice is going to be heard because in a brainstorm it's the insinuation that cool it's going to be a collective opportunity for everyone to share like ideas and i think when we talk about creativity it's about getting creative with the way in which you run teams as an entrepreneur like literally there is no blueprint <laughs> there's uh. no blueprint you get to be as creative as you want and I had to think about that as well I said what type of company do I want what type of company culture do I want and when the time comes where I end up having like a VC or a huge co-working space that's all filled with young entrepreneurs killing and killing and shaping the world how do I want that space I want I want it to be infectious I want that kind of experience to be all part of that and I had to ask myself as well, like, how do I want to leave the office? Like, even if I'm staying late, like, what's going to keep me going? And it really is that Mm. being creative and allowing yourself to actually break the status quo. And I think a lot more people need to do that. I think there is a risk when you become an entrepreneur, when the more your business scales, the more corporate like it feels. Yeah. And I feel like that's what, have you you felt that? Yeah, I think that's true with, with having Champs going into its fifth year. Crazy, Um, you know, as this is being released, will be October, so this month. And can you believe it was a year ago we had the fourth birthday party (laughs) next week? So, I mean, that's come around so quickly. And yeah, I think you are in danger sometimes of it's that fine line, isn't it? Between it's got much bigger than it's just you and somebody else sometimes just trying to go with the flow and doing whatever comes up, but also you end up putting in policies and procedures and, you know, trying to create some structure around it, then it can, if you've come from the corporate world, easily follow into that sort of mindset. We are going to step out to have a mindful moment to reflect on our conversation so far. We are recording this at Fora, a tailored workspace that provides its residents with the freedom to choose where and how they work best understanding that happy, healthy people deliver their best work. Whilst we are here, we'll be sipping on Naughty, Thompson & Scott's alcohol-free, organic, vegan, sparkling Chardonnay, creating a more inclusive and mindful experience to having fun and celebrating our workplace success. When, you know, you are, in terms of Compared with some of the other guests who are more seasoned entrepreneurs, put that as that are slightly older than yourself into that bracket. As somebody who works with young people as well, what do you think their attitude to creativity and flow is? Like when you're talking about young people coming into the workplace as graduates, as apprentices, as second, first, second jobbers, you know, into into industry. What do you think they expect from sort of the creativity and flow? Is there a is there a, a particular th- top sort of themes or what's your what's your view? I really like that question. Um, I think as someone who has been in both like private and public sectors, um, I think it really depends on what your job is, what industry you're going in. Mm. Because we were having a conversation the other day 
about IBD, so investment banking division. And I've got a lot of friends who are in that corporate space. And there was this idea of like, everyone tells you to bring your whole self to work, but that's a lie. If you brought your whole self to work on the, on the floor, on the training floor, <laughs> you, you probably won't have a job, mate. <laughs> They'd be like, uh, P45. Exactly. Um, so I think there's, you're kind of, there's a culture already that you're going into. There's a mm. there's a specific kind of hierarchy. There's a way in which there's an etiquette that you need to like you know address and you know uphold to. So I would say like as a graduate who's going into the corporate world, I'm expecting long hours. I'm expecting quite a rigid structure. I'm expecting quite, I would say quite historic like systems in place like this traditional. Is, yeah, tradi- oh, that's even a, a much better word. Thank you, Ruth. Yeah, Sorry. traditional. <laughs> traditional (laughs) structures that are kind of unchanged like some people have been there longer than you've even been born right (laughs) yeah for for years so in that sense like I don't think personally like if I was still going into IBD I wouldn't be expecting much creativity I can't lie and I wouldn't be expecting a lot of diversity or opportunities in terms of being able to really customize the job to suit you and your interests However, in other organisations that are a little bit more fluid, particularly in startups and new and small kind of emerging companies, there's so much room for that because, again, there is a flexibility unlike some of these, I guess, organised and solidified big companies that have been going for years that allows you to basically be a little bit more fluid. So I would definitely say as a graduate, most graduates now are thinking about instead of just money, and oh yeah, I'm working for this like magic, like ma- the magic circle. A lot of them are thinking about, okay, cool. Where can I learn the most? Where can I be myself the most? And how is this company going to value or provide value to the rest of the world as well? Like what's your social footprint, mm. right? And I would say that's made our generation a little bit more rebellious. And that's why you see so much work is being done to do a lot of recruitment and outreach from large companies to universities because they're seeing actually students no longer want a position in that, Mm. like they've got options. And I was one of those graduates and soon to be, think I hope so, soon to be graduates where I said, I don't want to fight to work for a company. I wanted companies to fight over me Mm. because I knew I had so much value to give to the world and I didn't just want to be another number in an office and literally working for a company that doesn't even know me or recognize me. So I think it really does depend on you and your character as a person. Because I mean, for you as well, like, how did you find it? You've come from different. Yeah, backgrounds. and I was just about. I, and I actually, when you were talking, I I was reflecting on that because I remember I was really fortunate that when I came back from. So I worked in aerospace, um, which I fell into almost, and then. <laughs> Absolutely, as you do, as you do, <laughs> and loved that, and that was a really great experience for four years. And then went off overseas and did my MA, and came back. And then I fell into again recruitment and, but in investment banking. But I actually interviewed at six of the top investment banks and got offered places at all of them, as wow. one does. Um, which again, back then, I didn't really think I was like okay. And I just, I actually went with the one where even though you just have your interview and back then it was when you only had to have like one or two interviews, not like seven or eight. (laughs) No (laughs) assessment centers. (laughs) No, it wasn't. It was really early days. We were talking, you know, early 2000s. And um, I went in and um, I went in on the culture vibe. 
genuinely. Mm. So I went to an American investment bank. I went to European investment banks and had different, got interviews slightly different. You could tell the, just even when you step in somewhere and you go into the meeting rooms and you're thinking, oh, is this right or not? And I just had a really good sense and actually ended up working at a Swiss investment bank and just thought that I feel like this is a really good fit mm. for me. But I think, you know, there was an element of, I think because it, I worked initially in talent, there was an element of, because it was people, you had an ability to bring if yourself as in, because it was people interaction, which is something you know I'm good at and love doing and, and was something that I was really just naturally felt good to me in terms of flow and I did well that I was able to probably make that my own in that mm. sense and be a bit creative about ideas for you know looking for talent I mean this is all pretty much when LinkedIn was like a little baby <laughs> didn't really have it <laughs> didn't even exist yes it did we had did we, really? had, we had laptops and everything then no um, I wasn't saying like the laptop thing although I don't think they were they had their like CD roll <laughs> yeah they did they did and I think I actually had a desktop Chunky. to be honest did the desktop have a yeah (laughs) but it was it was it was so it's so different and I think I think that's why I've always this is what's been really interesting about me as an individual I wonder if entrepreneur like being an entrepreneur was more of an opportunity or talked about or people could explore much more freely back then I probably would have done it so much sooner because actually when I look at all the roles I've done and organizations I've stayed within it's always been those where even working in aerospace I worked in projects generally or I did a year moved into a completely different department Mm. did a year moved into a different department and so I was really able to keep learning and changing and and so it never felt the same and I think uh, that was why I didn't even though internet intellectually uh, socially I was very much able to to be a high flyer and I did get you know fairly a fairly high um, grade of seniority when I worked in in wealth management after investment banking but um, I just wasn't really good at doing the same thing day in day out day in day out oh my goodness no and I think that was and I always felt like I'd failed in that sense as in it taken why is it just not working yeah why can't I just be like a couple of decades I'm like hang on you know and people used to say well you move around a lot you do this and I was like but yeah and and back then again it was that whole thing of if you've been somewhere less than two years on your CV it's like oh my god yeah yeah you know why can you explain I used to look at CVs back in the day you know and if someone had never moved for like five ten years you'd be like oh my god this is great where's now that's really in some cases frowned upon because people are so used to moving and changing yeah. their jobs so it's common that people do to, you know a maximum of 18 months or two years mm. and go somewhere else and also I think with the generation that you're as part of as well which I think is absolutely fantastic is that you know young people have an opportunity to hone their skills follow their passions follow if they want to, to um, explore their social footprint and understand what they can give back to the world. And, they, you know, you're part of a generation that has come into this workforce at a very different time, you know, when I was part of that. I've you know, been, I guess, through two recessions as part of that in my work history already, which makes me feel really old. But actually just understanding the, the benefits and privileges that I had back then, mm. you know. But I also think on the flip side of that, from the positive side... It enables you to follow those passions, to follow your creativity, yeah. to follow your flow. And and as we've said, even somebody like you who comes from a background in economics and politics, like you wouldn't think of those synonymous with um, you know, creativity and flow. But one thing I've learned is that 
I was sort of created to be creative. You had to be an artist, or you had to be a sculpture yeah. or performer. performer. Or something. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Um, actually, just having this conversation is creativity. We're bouncing off ideas. You know, I've just already taken a couple of things. I'm like, great, I could do this in my business, <laughs> and I'm sure there's people listening going, yeah, Absolutely. I could do that. And actually, I wanted to ask you a question based on what you said. I think you're absolutely right that you can't you kind of found places within the organizations that you were in to be mm. creative so i guess i just wanted you to share with like everyone that's listening like what advice would you have for anyone who's in certain spaces or organizations that feel very rigid and they don't feel like entrepreneurship like not not everyone wants to start their own business right of course but everyone wants to be some element of innovation and yeah. problem solving what would your advice be for them so, oh, I love this. It's like, I feel like stop <laughs> take over, co-host. <laughs> so, do you know what? I think there's a couple of things you could do. One is that if you're in a part of a, a, a larger corporate, for example, there's so many quite often employee resource groups or networking groups that you can be part of. So if you've got a passion, depending on your own authentic background so if you have a passion for you know that what you're going to prepare to stand alone for so if it's right I really want to focus and support uh, diversity from BAME backgrounds so yeah that might be my background or it might be LGBTQI a plus is that it i don't Whoa. know so you know lgbt background so if you want to be mm. part of you know champion that or if it's um more gender diverse whatever you know there's all those there's all those organ those sec- little networks are within organizations and if there isn't one and you're really passionate about something then start it. I love it and i think that's you know where i worked in diversity and inclusion for a couple of years before starting champs and actually champs ends up often partnering with those networks or it's those networks that reach out because often there's a, a mental health and well-being network or it's the mental health network is part of the disability group um and so how you know if you're if you want to do more work in your community as an organization you find out what your uh, corporate social responsibility your csr plan is who who leads that in the business volunteer and okay you might Often those roles are, you know, you don't get paid extra for, Mm. you know, if you have um, a mental health first aid network and you can get trained as a mental health first aid champion in your business or some sort of mental wealth um, champion that we do at Champs or whatever that looks and feels like, you know, seek it out. And if it's not there, then then make it happen. You know, if it's I really I'd really love to be able to do a book club. I really want to do, you know, I think what's what's happened with COVID is there's been opportunities to create networking groups online, which are not necessarily about drinks and, you know, just having a drink. Um, They're about, you know, you could set any kind of virtual networking group up to kind of connect because I think workplaces are still going to be in this hybrid way of working for some time so how can if you're rotating in your office every third week second week whatever it is you may not all be together so how can you initiate that and I think these are things that okay they may they may give you access to other opportunities they may give you access to promotion or to be recognized but actually if it just adds value to what you're going in for to do and I think that's really important what you say that not everyone wants to be an entrepreneur run their own business not everyone wants to feel like they're changing the world not everyone wants to be a CEO or a director right but how can you go in and add that little bit of extra value and add your personality I was gonna say your person but your personality your style, something that you really care about. Your energy, your presence, yeah. your stamp, yeah, and make I, it like your own. 
And then, so that's that's one really, really good way you could do that. And I think there's big corporates that have loads of those groups that you can join and be part of. If you're in an organisation that doesn't have those, start them, find out, get sponsors. And that's another thing, because often with those networking groups internally, you learn to network with finding, you know, internal sponsors. You find people that sit within those parts of the business. You go to leaders who might be willing to be an ambassador or an advocate for you and enables you to create those opportunities. So there's that side of it. I think it's always worth, as you and I first met from a mentoring perspective. Yeah, no, oh my goodness, so it seems like years, years ago. ago. <laughs> you were like, I don't know, five or something. <laughs> she was just like changing the world, you know, <laughs> just finishing primary school. I was just like, come on, Meg. <laughs> Dragging me along. <laughs> but I just think about, you know, how if you explore, find a mentor, find somebody who you really look up to and who inspires you and say, look, I think what your position in the organization I I really you know see you as a role model I'd love if you could spend some time with me this is what I want to get from it if you want to talk about ways you can grow yourself in the sense of width in terms of breadth not necessarily promotion or I want okay. to, to do that but what skills can I do is there some courses how can I network more like what are some things that can really enrich my day-to-day and then the final thing I would also add out on top of everything is with kind of that professional development so again find if you're in a particular sector where there is kind of cpd or professional development you know as a coach i often say to people what areas of expertise you know people don't often think i'm not an expert in this but of course we are all experts we've all got our own stamp as you said which Mm. i love so how can i find out more about what i'm doing as a job how can i find a little bit more about what it means to do the role that i do and connect with those people they might be in a different part of the world they might be in a different organization to you but that's really a great way to kind of get new ideas and share best practice and you know learn a little bit more maybe it gives you a spark to go somewhere else I think it's going back to our original point about being a discoverer like what can we discover I love that that is so good yeah no no that's amazing so your main things would definitely be to either join or create your own groups. Yeah. It would definitely be to find mentors or yeah. become a mentor. Yeah. And your last one would be about, was it? Connecting with, connecting. Pro- like so the professional, and the professional, you know, continuous professional development. So find, if you're not part of, you know, if you're organised, I think most, you know, most salaried style roles in, in corporations, industry generally have some kind of membership association, you know, that you can yeah, be part yeah, of do. and sign. Yeah. And quite often, most of them, it's either a nominal fee or you can get like a free level membership and then you can pay and upgrade and all of that stuff. But mm. you can often find out, you know, more about that and sign up for stuff. And, and you know, I guess the, the nice thing is, in some respects, with... Uh, the pandemic is that I guess a lot of those sessions will have gone online so it might be more easier for you to whereas before the sessions might have run at six or seven o'clock in the evening and you might have had to get a train home or you've got children or whatever your commitments are or you don't finish work often you don't get out of the office till eight or whatever it is so it might be an opportunity that you can you know after everything that's been going off it's kind of a you know, in the new the new area, new rules, like just sign yourself up for something. And mm. as you said, it might not work, you might hate it and you've given but at least it a you've go. Learned. Yeah, at least you've tried. Absolutely. No, I love that. I'd say my only other tip would be, 
I guess, to volunteer more. We both volunteer. Mm. We both go on lots of different trips and travel. And I think that's such a great way to get your creativity because you're meeting new people all the time. But most importantly, you're finding something that's maybe not attached to your current responsibilities that you can get stuck into. Yeah. Because sometimes it may not be at work where you feel the most creative. But what group, what what other like hobby do you have on the side where you could be, I don't know, your team captain of your football team or netball or or can you be like a volunteer yoga instructor or can you join a board of trustees? Can you be a school governor? Like how could you get into something else that you feel like you can provide value and also come in to like innovate and disrupt? I think one word that is definitely coming to my head for both of us is we are disruptors. Yeah. <laughs> and I think our parents <laughs> would say we've been like this for years, but <laughs> it really is such a strength of being, I guess, a game changer I think game changers mm. is also coming to my head as well and just disrupting means just you're seeing something can you feel like it could be done better or mm. you're seeing something can you feel like changes need to be made that's just what it is about being disruptive that's being able to discover that's being able to innovate but that's also being able to question I think we also are in the positions we are in to unlock creativity and flow because we constantly are curious and ask questions yeah. and that's something I really really value in my team and the circles that I'm around is we're just so curious yeah. we were those people that would ask oh but why no, yeah. but why? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. You just fall in love with discovering and yeah. understanding more and learning. And I think that would be like my final tip, which is just like, how can you be disruptive and how can you be more curious? Like unlock your childlike nature, which is just to ask more questions and, you know, to go deeper and touch and taste <laughs> and all of those things. Like, I think that's such a great thing to remind yourself that actually you matter and you're more than just the role that you're in right now. Like you, you can like break those titles and like kind of, cross the red lines mm. do you know what I mean yeah I, and I love that idea of um, be more curious embrace your inner child which I think <laughs> is just fantastic and I think you do that very well I think I, think I do <laughs> I think my parents would say I do that very well but there's some I mean god if you're listening to this there is so much you can take from this I, and genuinely I know from having spent time with you, from you being also becoming a good friend, is that you, you, you know, you truly do all of those things. And, you know, and this doesn't mean that every day is absolutely freaking wonderful. Oh, no way. <laughs> uh, it's hard, it's shitty, it's tough, there's lots of tears, um, and you don't always get it right, as you said, but I think it's the ability to keep pushing through that. And having those people, as you said, around you, which clearly is really important when you create that culture where people do want to step in at quarter to six to have a, a brainstorm because it's the only time they can do it. But you know that they've got your back if things, you know, do hit the fan and that gives you the headspace that you need to kind of recharge. And, and also because you have those different passion projects, I'm assuming I'm making an assumption that like me, that when you when you able then to do different things, actually what that does do is reignite that it tops that cup back oh, yeah. up, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um I think it's good to have multiple things that doesn't mean that you're just putting your hands in everything that possibly can like I would definitely say as a way to protect your mental health because that's something that we're both super passionate about mm. is just learning how to say no I think yeah. we've both struggled with saying no in the past and we've got so much better at it now by saying by understanding what those key things and values and what we care about that 
when an opportunity does come by, even if it looks very shiny, we know, mm, I don't think it's aligned with what I'm doing or yeah. I just don't have the capacity. And I think just being open and honest and leading by example, it's so easy to give advice and, you know, recommendations around mental health and be a crap mentally healthy person yourself. Yes. Oh, God, I think we're all... I think all the episodes <laughs> I've spoken to people about being an entrepreneur, being a business leader, I mean, there's a fine balance, right? And and everything we've spoke about with creativity yeah, flow mm-hmm. and everything I spoke about when it comes to uh, frameworks of spirituality and, and grit and resilience and passion and you know being a wellness leader some of the subjects in across these episodes is just you know that it's tough there's and there isn't an easy or maybe you can write this this is part of your book but you know there's no it, that's a fine line to navigate and those boundaries constantly shift and change as oh. you constantly mm-hmm. shift and change mm-hmm. and as we've seen the world around us constantly has to shift, shift and, and change, change as yeah. well so well Meg I think that pretty much brings us to the close <laughs> of our chat <laughs> just keep going forever you know people will be like this is a two and a half hour episode which is not probably what people are expecting maybe maybe we'll bring you back for, for season two and for... guys if you want me back for season two <laughs> comment like share yeah. all of it um, we have been sipping on on our Thompson Scott Naughty throughout today's recording. How have you enjoyed your glass of Naughty? It's so scrumptious. So um, a <laughs> bit of context. I promise I won't talk for too long, but we went to the Mindful Drinking Fest, yeah. right? And um, it was so incredible, that whole experience, because it was so... Do you know what I mean? Like That was creativity and flow and innovation at its finest because all of the businesses that were there were really cool and quirky Mm. but provided that experience that you normally would of drinking alcohol but Mm. everything was non-alcoholic yeah and this I literally feel like I am (laughs) sipping on the sweetest (laughs) and I'm like oh my goodness there's no alcohol in this are you sure like you like Charlie and Chocolate Factory when there's like different gobstoppers that taste of different things I kind of feel like we're going through that process like are you sure it's not And it's so funny because Amanda described herself when I interviewed her for her episode with Laura from Club Soda and when I interviewed Amanda from Thompson and Scott and she was like, I felt like Willy Wonka when I was creating Naughty. So oh, the fact that you've put oh, those two that. together. No, so. guys, it's good. Make Cheers. sure you go and taste it. It's so good. Especially if you don't want to hang over. I could sip on this. I look so bougie and cute and no one's going to know. <laughs> exactly. Well, thank you, Meg. Thank you for joining. It's been an absolute pleasure as always. And everyone, I'm sure, like myself, is holding on beta breath to see what you get up to next. So go forth and conquer my love. Thank you so much, Ruth. Thank you. Sadly, we have no more time to chat, bringing us to the close of this week's episode of New Rules. I hope you have enjoyed listening to it as much as I've enjoyed chatting to our wonderful guests. If you did, then please ensure you subscribe, rate and review from wherever you get to your podcast and you won't miss out on the next episode. All the information from today's show, including our guest details, can be found in the podcast notes. A huge thank you to the lovely people at Fora, who without their generosity, the magic of this podcast would not have happened. Finally, you can find me, your host, Ruth.CooperDixon on Instagram and Ruthie Coops on Twitter. Please do come by and connect if you're keen to know more about positive psychology and my wellbeing work at Shamps and Shamps for Change. 